used to say Munich was the greatest city in Germany, but today it is clear to me the energy's all up north in Berlin. It's the happening city. It's cheap, it's creative, it's young, and it's just thriving. When you're planning a trip to Germany, you want to understand a little bit of the historic background, and that includes one of the greatest palaces in all of Europe, just outside of town at Potsdam. And to learn about that, we're joined by Neil Taylor. Neil lives in London, spends a lot of his time on the road, and he writes the Footprints Guide to Berlin. Neil, thanks for joining us. Good to be with you, Rick. You know, a lot of Americans, when we go to Germany, we don't realize that in 1850, there was no Germany. That's quite right. There were lots of what are now provinces, Bavaria, Prussia. All these were independent administrations, perhaps a little bit like the U.S. before it all got together at the late 18th century. Now, now when we think in our travels, you know, France, it has Versailles, the Palace of France. But in Germany, it's a little confusing because, of course, Munich would have its uh, Nymphenburg or its residence. Würzburg has the residence. And Berlin has a great national palace, doesn't it? Yes, it has a royal palace that's being rebuilt now. And, of course, subsidiary palaces, because there were many members of the royal family, each of whom wanted their own palace. So when we go to Berlin, we're looking at palaces of the royal family of Prussia. That's right, yes. That was Prussia, and, of course, Bavaria is now South Germany. I've always had a hard time getting my brain around Potsdam, because I know it's really important in German history, and it's a great sightseeing attraction. And I know that you're enthusiastic about Potsdam. How, how can we appreciate Potsdam in our travels? Yes, I am, because it offers so much. And it's really an international city now because different people settled there and left an architectural legacy. So there's a Russian quarter there. There's a Dutch quarter there. And, of course, the German royal family was so close to France at many stages of its life that you could say there are even French quarters there. Voltaire, the famous French philosopher, talked a lot to Frederick the Great, who had his palace in Potsdam. So there's a 17th century, 18th century, 19th century and 20th century Potsdam. Tremendous variety. So this was really the international diplomatic community for the Prussian Empire, is that right? Very much so, yes. And several of the Prussian emperors used both Potsdam and Berlin. Potsdam was sometimes the summer capital, sometimes the year-round capital. But the architectural legacy that they bequeathed is extraordinary in its diversity. So you can wander in gardens, even Chinese gardens and tea houses, through architecture of every century, including the 20th. Neil, when we're going to Berlin, tell us just the nitty-gritty about how to get out to Potsdam and check this place out. Um, You can go on the railway. That's probably the easiest. They call it the S-Bahn, which is the sort of railway that's largely overground there. And you can get there in half an hour. Um, Coach tours and so on go there. But it's an easy place to explore on your own. So just take the train, get a day ticket, and that takes you on buses and trams all around the sites that you need to visit. It used to be far from Sans Souci, and no worries, because you had to have a reservation in advance, and that used to be very frustrating for, for tourists. Is there still those sort of hoops you got to go through, or can you just go out and buy a ticket? Well, just go out and buy a ticket now, because Germany is one. As you say, in the old days, when it was in East Germany, you had to be a spy to get in and out of <laughs> Potsdam directly and be swapped on the Glinica Bridge. So Whoa. Gary Powers was swapped there, and other U.S. Were they spies? Were they not spies? I don't know, but that's what they were called anyway. And they were always exchanged on the Glinica Bridge, which linked West Berlin with Potsdam. Wow. But you had to be a spy to cross the Glinica Bridge. Now you can walk across it, take a local bus across it, not actually take a train across it. The Mm -hmm. train takes a different route. But it's a very pleasant suburb, in a sense, I think the Berliners would call it. I would call it a totally separate city and worth staying in. You don't want to treat Hmm. it as a half-day trip. You do actually want to stay 
in the town. Now, that gives a whole different dimension to it, because I just thought of it as a side trip from Berlin to see the palace. But you've got the remnants of those diplomatic quarters that actually are worth checking out. Well, there's so much that you want to check out. I mean, you want to see now the spy museum by the Glinica Bridge, which Mm. tells the story of each swap. Um, You want to see the KGB area, I'm afraid. They kept a large area to themselves. Who knows, perhaps Putin, who worked for the KGB in the old East Germany, perhaps he was there for a while before he became Russian president. Uh, You want to see the imperial Russian areas, the Dutch area, because there was Dutch affinities with the Germany. So, so many different things from different centuries. And that does mean staying there for two or three days, not just coming out for half a day and seeing Frederick the Great's palace. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Neil Taylor about Potsdam, which is just a half an hour outside of Berlin. And Neil writes the Footprints Guide to Berlin, which includes Potsdam. Neil, apparently then you've got a new museum that reveals some of the tales of the dark days under Nazi and communist rule. Yes, you have, because the prison, which first of all the Nazis used, then the Russian occupation authorities used, then the Stasi, the notorious East German police used it, and this prison museum details the whole history from the 1930s until 1990, when of course it was closed immediately. Fascinating. I bet that's a powerful museum. It is, yes, because a lot of the people who will show you around were victims there, because, of course, it was a political prison through the 70s and 80s, and very sadly, of course, imprisoned a lot of people. Fortunately, they came out of it, and they are still able to guide you around. But it's particularly moving that, of course, people who were forced to be there for many years for political crimes, no genuine criminal activity, and they are showing you around now. My feeling is there's more nostalgia meaning a nostalgia for the old Eastern ways, in Eastern Germany than in Western Germany. Is that your experience? Oh, in the smaller towns, yes. I think people living in the rural areas were not so affected by what they thought might be happening in the West. There wasn't the lure of West Berlin. I remember travelling in East Berlin in the old days, and of course one could see the new tower blocks going up in the West, and they heard all the Mm. radio broadcasts and television broadcasts and things like that, and you were pretty aware of what was going on a few hundred yards away and which you might never see in your lifetime. If you were in a smaller agricultural community, you lived as your parents and your grandparents had lived and you didn't feel so distressed that you couldn't experience other forms of life. Yeah, my friends in those small rural communities during the communist time said... The musicians change, but the music stays the same. Whoever yes, that's them. right. Yeah. And it did through many generations. Yeah. And they'd have suffered less in the Nazi era because there were not large Jewish communities in the countryside, mm-hmm. and then less in the communist era. That, that's very true. That would have been a big factor is just if you lived in a village that had no Jewish community, you wouldn't see the horrors as a parent. No, no. If you're planning a trip to the Berlin area, the big choice from a sightseeing point of view is Charlottenburg Palace in Berlin or the palace out at Potsdam. If you had to choose one or the other, which would you go for and why? I would choose definitely the Potsdam one because of all the gardens there and the environment. The environment in Charlottenburg is not as exciting as the environment in Potsdam. In Potsdam, you can go in and out. So, of course, if the weather's uncertain, it doesn't matter. Whereas in the Charlottenburg area, you were just inside a palace which has a variety of exhibitions, but not 
the weird architecture that we were saying earlier Frederick the Great introduced to Potsdam and not the gardens for wandering. And if you get that whole garden dimension of Potsdam, can't you go out there by boat and and be with Germans? Yes, you can do that as well. I should mention that earlier. Yes, very much. Beautiful boat By boat, you can take boats locally. I would suggest always staying there and then taking a boat trip at sunset. That's the best time to see Potsdam from the river and from the lakes. So spend a couple of days there, but allow a couple of hours in the early evening to see it from the water. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're speaking with Neil Taylor, and Neil writes The Footprints Guide to Berlin. And, Neil, let's talk about Berlin just for a second, because last time I was there, I was so impressed by the new cityscape along the Spree River. I remember the city used to turn its back on the Spree. Of course, it defined a lot of the wall where people couldn't go across it or swim under it because that was uh, no man's land. Today... Little cruise boats go up and down the river. It's just a festival of happy new urban life. And you see political Germany there, don't you, that the Reichstag, the parliament, has been rebuilt along the river and both sides are completely integrated, that some of the accommodation belonging to the members of parliament cross the river, cross the old border several times a day. The Reichstag, the parliamentary building, is just in what was West Berlin, These buildings, the ancillary buildings, are just in what was East Berlin. And to me, that's very symbolic, that they crisscross, crisscross, and nobody knows, nobody cares anymore. And that is the heart of Germany crossing the border. I would imagine that was all planned in as as Berlin has mended itself back together in such a brilliant way. You know, in the old days, you had all of the museums split east and west, and suddenly you have a chance to knit those cultural treasures back together again. And of course, the center of Berlin uh, doesn't have that gashing wall anymore. It's got brand new buildings. Are people looking from the countryside of Germany at this lavish architecture? I've heard them call it pharaonic, almost like the pharaohs in scale. Is there a, a public image issue there? I would have thought it's worthwhile. You can justify it on commercial grounds because Berlin is such a popular tourist destination now. So Every foreigner coming pays sales tax on each cup of coffee they enjoy, probably on every bus fare, certainly on their hotel expenses and so on. So with these numbers coming in to appreciate all these arts, to appreciate the buildings and so on, it is a sensible commercial decision to bring Berlin back to its architectural glory of the 1920s. One of my favorite moments last summer was just sitting in the sun on the banks of the Spree River, right next to the uh, new National Library, I believe looking over at, what is it, the big chancellor's house and the, uh, what's the word on top of the uh, Reichstag building? The Reichstag, dem deutschen Volk, yes, dedicated to the German people, yes. And I just felt happy for Germany to have a grand capital all back together again. Yes, it is wonderful. And I find I to and fro, still 20 years on, on the S-Bahn, the Overground Railway or the Underground Railway, I remember in the 1960s, the 1970s, 1980s, thinking, well, will I ever be able to to and fro here? It seems very unlikely. So quite often now, I just do it. I don't have to, but just to tell myself that it really is true. I'm the same way. And simply with the Brandenburg Gate, of course, wandering in and out around the Brandenburg Gate. Did we ever think when Reagan made his speech about tear that wall down, Mr Gorbachev, that that would be happening three years later? And to and fro, the German people can do, and and we can do it with them. (laughs) Neil Taylor, author of The Footprints Guide to Berlin, thanks a lot for an insight into Berlin and a side trip out to that great palace at Potsdam. Very nice to be with you, Rick. Thank you. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. 
His classic, Europe Through the Back Door, freshly updated this year, teaches the skills of smart travel. At Rick Steves' online travel store, you'll also find guidebooks and phrasebooks for Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and every other corner of Europe. To learn more about Rick's books, visit the travel store at ricksteves.com.